Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of False Bottom Girls. And both of us just tried to count down from five. I was counting quietly. Up. You were okay. See, <laughs> I got very confused by that. Like I was counting down and I, I looked was, and I was like, just fucking with you. Rachel, I was <laughs> trying to just mess with you. <laughs> I actually wasn't even counting in in a correct sequence. I was just kind of making finger movements. Oh, good. Because I couldn't you. keep up mentally. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was, it was that. rough. I was watching you try to do the opposite. <laughs> Mine doesn't look like that. Yeah. So we are um, in the depths of getting ready for our master own master own retake. Yes. And I was going to say, I get real dumb when I uh, am just yeah. in the depths. study brain, right? Exactly. And I think I've talked about this before. So I've taken the North Carolina and the Illinois bar exam. And at least going into the Illinois bar exam, I knew that I was going to be super dumb. And so I could explain to my husband, like, hey, like, you're going to need to make sure that, like, the stove burners are turned off. And you might find, like, dry laundry sitting in the washer. Yeah. And I've heard people tell me that it's, like, pregnancy brain. Because I, and I would know when I was studying for the bar exam, and I know that I'm in this headspace now, too where you're just studying and you're stressed and you're anxious and you're very focused. And I would like studying for the bar exam would leave my house and be like, Oh, I need to break. Like I I need to put on my brakes. (laughs) Like all of those like automatic things you do, your brain is just like, bitch, what else do you want me to do right now? No. You know? And so I would be driving and be like, why is there so much traffic? And it's like, Oh, I'm, in Charlotte, in Uptown at 5.05 on a Wednesday. Like, of course there's traffic, but I have no concept of time. And yes. Yeah, I totally get that. When so, I, yeah. I left my car running for a couple hours. Oh, that's that one right. Time. <laughs> I got to the brewery, I parked it and I was like, cool. I, I'm good. I go inside now and I'm going to study. And you know what? I, I probably had every intention going back out to it because I do that a lot, like drive up to the area or in the back of the brewery where you're not supposed to park kind of thing. So where I'm not supposed to park, I loved it running for two hours while I studied <laughs> in the office. While I studied. My biggest thing right now is studying and forgetting to like do anything else, like eat. And then it's like 8 p.m. And I'm like, fuck, the last thing I want to do is fix myself food. I kind of even want to keep studying, which is because I'm on a roll. (laughs) But then I have to like get up and do other things, you know, because that's not all I have to do in my life is study. Right. Exactly. Unfortunately, wish I had all I had to do. Yeah. I had that conversation the other day of, babe, you can't not eat all day and then eat 2000 calories in one setting. And I was like, yes, I can watch. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same thing where it's like, oh, yeah, what what have I forgotten to do today? And it's like, oh, eat. That's right. So we are in the depths of this. And that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're going to actually talk about nitro beer, which has nothing to do with anything as true to style. Yes. And speaking of nothing to do with anything, Rachel, did you ever watch American Gladiators? 
like when they actually fight each other, right? Yes. Like the actual matches. Yeah. From like no, not, I mean, not a little bit. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Put it that way. I'm adding that to our list of oh, fantastic uh, projects that we will have when we are in are together for like 10 days. Yeah. Good. So as I long don't as think... there's lots of weed gummies for this project list. I, I'm fine. <laughs> right. So we've got 80s kid lipstick, uh, Princess Bride, and we'll watch some American Gladiators. But recently on yeah. Netflix, yeah. there is a documentary, an unauthorized documentary about American Gladiators. Oh. And it very prominently features the gentleman whose name was Nitro on oh. American Gladiators. And it is such a fucking delight. I do enjoy the documentaries you pick. Okay. Then we do need to watch. I do get into, get into them. They're very good. They're very good. It's like, what's the one that we watched when we were in Chicago before? Was it Killer the lady. Sally? Yeah. Yeah. Sally. The, yeah, the wrestler. So we watch, yeah. Maybe we she watch, knows Nitro. Maybe. Maybe We they... watch a lot of, apparently, uh, documentaries about <laughs> people with large muscles doing things. <laughs> what, what was her name? Like Sally. It's like she had like a. Like a stage name, right? I think so. Like sit it, Sally, sip it, Sally. No, yeah. I know it's not. That wasn't Ooh, it, but it was like, no. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out. Yeah, somebody is listening to this right now, screaming. They're like, I know Sally. But for clarity, Rachel and I will be taking the. Um, oh, before I say this, if you're a stalker or a murderer, please just skip forward, um, so you don't know where to find the two of us for a week straight. <laughs> but we will be in Chicago for the Aroxa Practical Beer Taster training at the end of September, which is the week before master. So Rachel and I will be spending like highly recommend course. If you have a couple thousand dollars sitting around that you don't have any, you know, need for highly recommend this course, very expensive, but I do not, but I made it work. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. (laughs) That's what happens. You know, when we don't have kids, beer is our kid. Right. That's what happens. It's killer Sally, by the way. (laughs) Killer Sally. Well, that was not the name as, of the documentary. Not as as I was thinking. Right. Was that the name of the documentary? Yes. Uh, I don't think keep... that was her actual name. How? No, no, no. It's not her actual name. Well, no. Sally McNeil. That. Okay, but yeah, Sally... she. I think she had a stage name. I, I. Yeah, she had a stage name. Yeah, that's what I'm. It wasn't so, Killer Sally. Yeah. So that's Nitro. Bad. Yeah, on my bad. American Gladiators. <laughs> and it's that show is a delight. So if you're Good. listening to this and you haven't watched it yet watch it Rachel this will be one of our Chicago things that we do when we're tired of talking about fucking beer and thinking beer all day it's it's eight hours a day of American Gladiator stuff no not <laughs> that eight hours a day of sampling off flavors right, right. eight hours per day uh-huh. right and it's rough yeah. too and Bill yeah. Bill's rough he screams at you yells at you he's like really that's all you taste he did that to me. I know. I know. Thank God it was virtually. I now I have to deal with it in person. Yeah, I was about to say in person. It's... I'm like, yes. Yeah. Oh, you can only taste three to five things, Bill. <laughs> Don't you gaslight me. <laughs> so, nitrogen. Nitrogen is what we're talking about today. Yeah. All right, we're gonna get on it. Nitro, the American gladiator, leads me into nitrogen. Yeah, not him. Sure. Yeah. His his full name is actually Nitrogenifer. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> so this was one of the topics that we talked about because I may or may not have been asked about nitrogen 
on the last master exam that I took. And this is similar to carbonation and foam, where it's not really one of like the sexiest things, but it is a very, has the potential to be a very big component for beer, for draft service. And that's why we decided this is a topic like we talked about in one of our beer style deep dives. For a while, we were kind of focusing on more obscure beer styles. And then it was like, oh, you know what? Actually, we should be focusing on things like Belgian double, because as a beer professional, you're more likely to see a Belgian double than you are a Kentucky common. So it's more important to mm -hmm. know those styles really, really well. And things like gas laws and, you know, proper service and nitrogenated beer are another one of those things that is like, oh, yeah, like we don't need to be going down the the rabbit holes of this thing we should make sure that we understand the basics mm -hmm. and nitrogen is definitely one of those basics and it's plentiful right it makes up 78 percent of our atmosphere and i have <laughs> for some reason i was expecting like a beer like a statistics about beer i don't know why because nitrogen doesn't make up anything 70 percent of anything except nitrogen blended gas when needed but i just took me by surprise and that was funny what was i gonna <laughs> say god damn it i had something good but now you your yours was better i stole the show thank you continue i mean <laughs> it's a gift i have uh, in the uh, show oh I was, here's what i was gonna say i think it's also one of the things i've been seeing and which makes this even more important of an episode in my opinion is a lot of microbreweries I don't, you know, not a lot, but some of microbreweries are trying to put a nitrogen product on draft without really understanding that they can't, like, I I am seeing people take CO2 beer and put it on a nitrogen setup mm -hmm. and trying to force a nitrogen product out that way. And breweries telling, like, the bars to do this or breweries doing this. And that is so not correct. Like I see a lot of misinformation out there and because I've gotten that feedback because I'll, when, you know, part of talking to a new account is assessing if they have nitrogen beer and if they want it, because we can do it, we, but we have to do it like a pre-order kind of thing, because, you know, mm -hmm. as you know, it's a different gas. And before we make the whole batch carbonate it, we need to pull off stuff for nitrogen. Right. And that and is super important. A lot of feedback I get from them is like, oh, okay, really? Like, so you know how to like do it because some breweries tell me to just do this and it doesn't work out. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I, it horrifies me to hear that. Right. And that, that's so important because it is, you can't just take a regular beer that you just have like your, maybe it's a straight CO2 blend and you can't just put that on through a nitro tap and say, this is a nitro beer when we're talking about nitrogenated beer, you have to have that special gas mix put put onto it. The brewery does that. And then you yes, also have to have that. your nitro tap. Yes. It's a twofold process. Having a nitro tap doesn't mean anything if yep. the beer isn't nitrogenated in the keg. And you have to have the correct blend of gas to serve it. Yes which is a different blend of gas that you need for nitronizing it. And if you are the brewery putting the gas in the beer and serving the beer, there's a difference there. And I've even seen out in the wild at bars, not breweries, 
trying to serve their nitrogen beer with a um, 100% nitrogen. So we're going to talk all about that and we're going to set the record straight and you're going <laughs> to leave this episode starting your own nitrogen bar <laughs> and brewery. <Okay. laughs> you're like, fantastic. New business right. plan. <laughs> so nitrogen is good for for making obviously nitrogenated beers, but is also helpful in the industry because it is so plentiful. And I've also seen, so this is what I where I thought you were going, which we won't talk about this very much today, but within breweries, you use CO2 for a lot of stuff, right? It's not, you're not just using it to carbonate, mm -hmm. but there's also a CO2 shortage happening right now. So a True. lot of breweries are, looking into okay well where can we use nitrogen instead because it's more plentiful it's you know it's it's more widely available and when you're using co2 around the brewery you're usually using it to like move things and purge things and you can use nitrogen for that as well and one reason nitrogen is so good at that is that it's an inert gas so it's not going to degrade your beer flavor it's not going to change your beer flavor and that's a really important thing obviously that we you know we need to uh, keep in mind mm -hmm. so for draft service if we're talking about like let's talk about long draw systems so like rachel you all have a short draw system right or direct draw so your cold box is just right on the other side of the wall so you can use 100 percent co2 do you all use 100 percent, or do you use a blend 100 mm -hmm. co2 so you can use 100% CO2 to move the beer through the mm -hmm. lines because it doesn't need to go that far. If you have a long draw system, if you use that amount, the amount of CO2 you needed to move beer through the system, your beer is going to be overcarbonated and it's going to be more expensive than it needs to be. So with a long draw system, a lot of times people will use a blend of carbon dioxide and nitrogen, or I shouldn't say a lot of times, it should be every time. Mm -hmm. um, because also the amount of pressure of CO2 pressure you would need to apply to move beer through a long draw system is probably too much pressure for safety reasons as well. Right? So nitrogen comes in with that because it's so much less soluble than CO2. So it can be helped use it can be used to help push the beer through draft systems without overcarbonating the beer. And that is a really important principle. I remember taking the micromatic course that they do usually right before CBC and sitting next to somebody who was like, wait, why do you why does it need to be a blend again? Like, why can't you just use 100% CO2 or why wouldn't you just use 100% nitrogen? And like, if you're using 100% nitrogen, your beer is going to go flat. Right. And it's kind of the same thing where the pressure that you need to keep that beer in solution is too much pressure for a, like for a keg to be, you mm -hmm. know, or a gas can canister. Exactly. Like you can't put 30 PSI on your keg. It's going to overcarbonate it. But you might need a high pressure amount like that to move the beer because it's so far away. Right. So nitrogen acts as a buffer in a way for lack, for lack of good word as right. a way to get your beer to where it needs to be. When we're talking about nitrogen, this is kind of divided up into two talking points. So we've been talking about our draft systems, how to use nitrogen as a mix, 
like as a tool in long draw draft systems. And then we'll also talk about nitrogenated beer. So when we're talking about using nitrogen as a blend in long draw systems, determining what that proper mix should be between the CO2 and the N2 is going to depend on your temperature, your pressure, and your desired carbonation level of the beer. And we talked about that in the carbonation episode. Uh, there are formulas out there you can use to figure out what that blend should be. This is also where that McDantum Easy Blend app comes in really handy just to practice with that. But standard gas. Oh, I was going to say, and the draft quality beer manual, yes. of course, will be a perfect guide to explain everything pretty well and give you good examples on how to do it. Right. So standard gas blends are usually 75-25 or 70-30. And again, like in an ideal world, you've got, you know, each one of your kegs has maybe has a different pressure or has the exact pressure it needs to be perfect. Realistically, most places aren't going to make that kind of investment. And that's fine. Um, that's going to be good enough, right? So using that blend of CO2 and N2, which is nitrogen, is going to maintain our proper beer carbonation and is also going to overcome any system resistance to achieve a proper pour. So when we're talking about using nitrogen for that purpose, there are a couple of options you can have for that. So one of them is a blended gas bottle. So that's going to be when your gas vendor mixes CO2 and nitrogen together, and that's known as Guinness gas or sometimes G-mix. Mm -hmm. So those blends are usually going to be 25 to 30% or 70 to 75%. Yeah, I want to point out like the, the when you see that mix on your gas bottles, that 70, that's 25 slash 75, CO2 always comes first. Yes, thank you. So that's, that's what a good, I was trying to say. <laughs> good rule of no, I got you. I knew you were. That's a good, it's a good rule to remember. So if you're looking at the bottle, just remember that CO2 number always comes first. If you're ever confused, because those bottles can be confusing sometimes. That you're looking for the get name. It says nitro or carbonation or, or even oxygen. If you're at the brewery, um, and my brewery, we have small tanks for everything. So uh, just a quick note, uh, you know, industry standard for you. And also, I think. You know, you were mentioning before, you know, there's a CO2 shortage, which is very true. And using nitrogen as a substitute when possible is even more ideal when you have something like nitrogen blender, because a nitrogen blender is pulling resources from the atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. You're not, you don't need anything else. You don't need a tank to be refilled by the CO2 company every week, which is a great use of being sustainable in the future when we do run low on resources. So something is definitely think about, um, even if you don't need it for the draft system, you know, if you're a brewery, if you're a brewery. Right. Obviously. Right. So the some of the limitations for the blended gas bottle is that it's really hard to blend those well. Mm -hmm. And that's because CO2 becomes liquid at the really high pressure needed to compress nitrogen. So it can, those, you're not going to get as much gas in those. Like you're really, it is going to be a very low volume of gas and the, the blended gas dispense may not be in that proportion you anticipated. So you may still end up with over or under carbonated beer. Other thing with a blended gas bottle is that it's really only intended for use with nitro beers. 
So if you're if you've got a long draw system, you're not going to use that blended gas bottle to help move things through your system, right? So if we're using this Guinness gas mix, your regularly carbonated beers are going to lose carbonation and they're also going to pour too fast because of that uh, higher pressure that you need to use. And then on the other hand, if you're trying to use like 100% CO2 tank, that's going to overcarbonate your nitro beers. So that's why you would get a blended gas bottle. And I, I, I know I've seen it before. If you've got like kind of a one-off, then that might make the most sense rather than, you know, like having a gas blender. So a gas blender is going to mix your pure CO2 and pure nitrogen from individual tanks into specific blends. So that's going to be your default blend will be like 70-30. So generally speaking, like if you've got a long draw system, you, you're going to have a gas blender. You're not going to have, you know, like the brewery I used to work with had a 200 foot run it was a very long draw system. There's not little Guinness gas, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, blends yeah. being used. Um, a gas blender is, or a yes, a gas blender is what you're going to use for a long draw system. So then we also have, if we have a nitro beer, we have the nitro faucet. But before we talk about the nitro faucet for nitrogenated beer, Rachel, tell us a little bit about what nitrogenized beer is. So we're talking about a beer. It looks like, you know, as a beer, except the gas that is used to give it bubbles, if you will, is going to be mostly nitrogen. It does have a small amount of CO2, but this is a mostly nitrogen product. Um, it creates a creamy, smooth mouth, mouth, mouth feel, sorry, cannot speak with my mouth today, <laughs> um, to the texture, uh, to the body of the beer. The smaller bubbles uh, contributed by the nitrogen also help with a longer, more stable head. So that's where we get, you know, you associate these beers with that nice, creamy, stable head. And that is definitely part of the nitrogen gas. You'll notice that these beers have that cascading effect when they are poured from the draft system or even from a can with a widget. And this makes the beer look very velvety smooth and have that kind of milky bubble consistency in the head. It's also a lower you know, so it's lower carbonation, right? So it does taste that way. It's more of a creamy, it's not prickly, like those, like a bite would get from a carbonated beer or, you know, like, you know, from a soda, this is going to be a creamy product. And it was invented to kind of replicate the creaminess of a cast conditioned ale to be used um, on a draft system. That was kind of the goal behind it. This wasn't like a Guinness invention, I'd like to point out, but Guinness obviously uses it and trademarks their I don't know if that's the right word, trademarks or beer, but you're known, you know, Guinness as nitro beer. It's the perfect way to describe a nitrogen beer, right? You go to the bar, you see them do the two-part pour, which is a big part of it. So yeah, and the typical style for nitrogen beer, a lot of you see is a stout, especially Guinness, but they can come in other styles, stuff that you want to be more on the malty side. It's weird to have um, IPAs as nitrogen beers, although I've seen them. I've seen every freaking style out there as a nitrogen. Don't know why. Don't know why you would do that. Don't know why it tastes <laughs> weird. Well, when I worked at uh, Left Hand, they had Nitro Fest every year. So it was all the breweries bringing a nitrogen product. It was literally all beers were nitrogen. So, I mean, of course, you're going to try to go weird, right? 
when this it's it, this is the time to do it also it's nitro fest so i have tried every single beer on nitrogen i do not like most of them but <laughs> things like we've done at the brewery we will do our coffee stout anything stout is appropriate anything porter uh we've done cream ale before which some people really don't like because this is already really really light style that i am really making lighter in a way like it's not i'm taking away the carbonation, which adds a lot to that kind of style. That can be hit or miss, but ESBs are appropriate. I've seen high gravity Belgian beers done. I've seen IPAs. Those things are weird to me. High alcohol nitro beer is weird to me. I don't think I would yeah, like that. that I, and I agree with you on that because thinking about the sensory qualities of a nitro beer, like high alcohol gets cleansed or cut by carbonation. And that like doing that with nitro, you're, yeah, I agree with you. Like you're still getting all of that high, you're getting more of a perception of the higher alcohol than you will with carbonation. So yeah, it's, it's like definitely the, a different. Imagine experience. like your whiskey, nitronitis. Right. Oh, gross. Like creamy whiskey. Oh God, that sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, but so yeah, gross. so like you mentioned when we're that, the nitro faucet is also part of what's going to cause that because it's got the restriction plate that's going to cause both the nitrogen and the CO2 to break out of solution, but the nitrogen bubbles that form move to the surface slower than the CO2 bubbles. And so that's what gives that that's cascading. That's cascading, effect. yeah. The beautiful and, cascading. Right. And they, since they have the smaller bubbles, we learned this in our foam episode, that think about if you're moving through a crowd of 500 people, right? You're going to move slower than you will through a crowd of five people. Yes. And that's why that head stays retained for so long is because it's harder for the liquid to move through those nitrogen bubbles and collapse. And then the other thing that nitrogen will do is nitrogen bubbles don't tend to disproportionate. And we talked about that in our foam episode as well with CO2 bubbles, they will give their gas to another bubble. So the bubbles get bigger and as they get bigger, the liquid can flow through them quicker, quicker so they collapse faster. And nitrogen bubbles don't do that. They tend to just stick to themselves. They're just nitrogen bubbles and they're like, no, I'm not gonna share. And that's that's why- And they, that they persist and, it's, and the foam keeps there. Right which is nice and appealing. Right, exactly. So that's like we said too, with nitrogen being an inert gas, it's the only impact it's going to make to your beer is to the mouthfeel. So like you were saying, Rachel, it's going to be creamier. And then that mouthfeel change will change your perceptions of other beers. And I've also read in a couple of places that when we're talking about something like an IPA or a Pilsner, one of the reasons why it doesn't work as well is because it's going to be less crisp and bitter. I'm not sure how well true I think that the... is. We know how I feel about words like crisp. And the information that I've seen out there is just like some brewers say this, but there's literally no citation. I think carbonation increases the perceived bitterness of beer. Mm -hmm. And I think without you're losing that. And I just, I think that's the difference. Right. And your nitro beers are also going to be less aroma forward because you don't have those CO2 bubbles kind of volatilizing mm -hmm. your aromas. And, and then back to like the faucet part, you know, there's, 
nitrogen beer needs so much pressure that the restriction that that this faucet piece of uh like provides a lot of restriction or resistance a resistance to that um pressure so it's very important otherwise your beer would just be shooting out super fast Mm -hmm. right so part of that is the restriction plate which allows the the beer to force it it forces it through those tiny bubble or tiny holes in the restriction plate you know allowing all the gas to release but part of that really slows down that right, force that's balance, behind that's, the yeah tank. that's basically balancing your draft that, system yeah exactly so that's part of it when you are making your long draw or short draw to know mm-hmm. you know what's the because in short draw you can use 100 percent nitrogen to push your beer i'm sorry that's not true you could but you shouldn't you, you should use the gas blend of 25 or 30 to 75 or 70 um because you need that little bit of co2 otherwise your beer is going to become even you know it's less co2 it's gonna become flat and it's right. gonna, you're gonna notice that right um, and, it, and nitro beer is still a carbonated beer like yes. it's still mostly co2 in there it's just that proportion of of nitrogen is going to change it uh change that mouthfeel yeah. And that that's something too that's important for you know for people to remember is that it's still a carbonated beer. Mm-hmm. It just has nitro added to it that's going to kind of change it. And you are correct with that without that restrictor plate, that restrictor plate adds about 20 pounds of applied resistance, mm-hmm. which is a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. And that's what's your that's what slows it down. And that was where I had gotten tripped up on okay, if I've got this nitro blend gas that I'm using on, you know, on my Guinness stout, I'm going to get this beautiful nitro beer. If I'm using that blend plus the faucet, you need to have both. But what happens if I also hook my pale ale up to this blend and try to serve it through a normal faucet? One, the beer is going to lose carbonation because the, uh, the other thing we haven't talked about is because nitrogen is so plentiful in the atmosphere, it doesn't give up a lot. There's that law of partial pressures we talked about in the carbonation episode where there's not, it doesn't need to give up a lot of nitrogen to be in equilibrium. Whereas with CO2, it does. So you lose that CO2 to the atmosphere. That's a good point. So if you've got a regular, just regular quote unquote carbonated beer, and you're trying to use that nitro gas, there's not CO2 being pushed into that beer. So it's going to lose CO2 to be in equilibrium with the atmosphere around it. So it's going to become flat uh, over the course of, you know, a couple of days, but it's also going to pour too fast because there's so much pressure on it that when, you know, when you open that regular faucet, there's nothing restricting it. Yeah. The same way if the restrictor plate wasn't in the nitro faucet, it would just be like, it would just be a mess. So if you don't know 100% that the beer came from the brewery as a nitronized product, don't hook it up to your nitronized cast draft line. <laughs> right. Simple as that. Right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about the service and needing the, the gas blend. Oh, the other thing that I will say, because this was also something that I think tripped us both up when we were taking the exam is a nitro tank is looks different than a co2 tank oh, um, so dumb of me so if you were listen same. <laughs> uh, so let's say that you're being asked hey my beer is 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 pouring flat right uh, yeah. or foamy 
and you're doing the troubleshooting, you know, it's a, it's a checklist of starting at the faucet and working your way back and checking what are these components that could potentially be affecting this. And your gas supply is one of them. Yeah. So your tank not only looks different, but it has a different regulator. And so that can be a way as you're, you know, going through, which I say all this, like, it's so calm and methodical. The tanks, the tanks are legally required to be labeled. So there's yes, that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the, the nitrogen regulator has a male part rather than a female part, which is what the CO2 regulator has. And when we say a male part, that means it's going, it's going to screw into something. Yes. Whereas with the female part, something's going to screw into it. Right. Rachel's doing <laughs> the hand gesture. I'm sure you can imagine that, yeah. that she's doing the eggplant and the pie. Okay. <laughs> But that is something to to keep in mind is that those those connectors are going to be different. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the taking that cask experience. We figured it out with, you know, it was um, Guinness was the first one to really popularize it and it was created to replicate the cask ale. And that was happening around the time that beers were moving from being cask only to metal cake. So how do we figure that out? And then how do we figure out how to package that outside of cake? So how do we figure out how to do that with cans and bottles? And the way that Guinness did it was with a widget that looks like a ping pong ball. Mm -hmm. Like it looks a lot like a mm -hmm. ping pong ball. Like a mini one. Yeah. And yeah. it has a, a really, it's hollow. And it's designed to release gas into the beer once the package is opened. So Rachel, talk a little bit about that. Sure. How that works. So the purpose is to release the CO2 from some of the beer in the can to create the head that you associate with the nitro beer, right? One of the important parts of pouring a beer with a widget is to immediately pour it right after you open it and pour it hard. Like, and when I say that, I mean, straight up and down. Um, if you are, you know, ever poured a can of beer, you would never do that with CO2. You've naturally, even if you're not a beer expert over the years of consuming out, uh, carbonated drinks, you naturally pour at a slow 45 degree angle, right? Not this time, straight, hard, up and down. And so the widget is this plastic nitrogen filled spear with a little tiny hole in it. And the spear is added to the can right before it is sealed. In the, in the canning process. And it floats in the beer with the hole, like just slightly being below the surface of the beer. And right before the can is sealed, a shot of liquid nitrogen is added to the beer. And this evaporates during the rest of the canning process and pressurizes the can. Um, and as the pressure increases in the can, the beer is slowly forced into the spear through the hole and compressing the nitrogen inside of this spear. So when you open the can, the pressure inside immediately drops and the compressed gas inside the spear forces the beer out through this tiny hole into the can. So like almost imagine a mini faucet in your can. Oh, I like that. That's a really good. Isn't that cute? I just That's came up with cute. it. That's just like came it. up with it. So <laughs> As that happens, it's going to agitate and cause the CO2 that's already dissolved in the beer to form tiny bubbles that rise to the surface of the beer. And this helps create that head that you uh, that that, you know, 
Right. So um, it's not, it's, it, it's an approximation, just like yes. the, the nitro tap is an approximation of Cascale. The widget is like, here's how we can approximate this experience. Here's how we can uh, create that effect for you. So if you poured a nitrogen beer from a can with no widget, the head may not be very thick because most of the CO2 would stay dissolved in that right. beer. Um, so that's kind of why it's important. You know, one of the things at breweries at our brewery is if we have nitrogen beer on draft, we will not pour it. Obviously we're not canning it. Like we're not set up for that. Um, but we won't do it in a corraler for you to go or a growler fill. It's mm. not going to hold up well for enough for us for, to be worth it. Right. Just enjoy right. it at the brewery. Right. And Rachel, you just got back from Ireland. Oh, so great. You went to Guinness and I, you mentioned earlier the two-part Guinness pour. Uh, so tell us what that, what is the two-part pour for a so, night beer? Every time you go to a bar anywhere, you order a Guinness, you'll probably see the bartender pouring it and two-part pour. They pour most of it. They let it settle. They continue to pour the rest. I got to do my own in Guinness. Ooh. They got to properly, because mm. that's part of it. So actually going to Guinness, and I'll talk about the two-bar pour, but going there, it's actually really cool. The first time I went to Ireland, I was like, nah, because it's just like an experience in a gift shop and a museum and some tasting rooms. It's not a tour of the brewery, which is fine. But um, it was actually worth it and really cool, though. You should go in. They have multiple levels of just different things all things guinness like you kind of go in it's like experience of the four ingredients and and then you go up levels and they have different um things you can do one being learn how to pour your own guinness another was you can get your face screen printed in the head of a guinness right you did was, that right yeah so how does that work fun. i don't know like they they take Magic. a picture of you yeah and they magically you know email it to a computer that uploads it into their printing machine. So you have your pint of Guinness that you just stick in this machine and it just laser prints some sort of edible ink, I guess, onto the phone. Oh, okay. Got it. And um, it was really cool looking. I looked like I was 16, so I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, they did that in the menu as well with the uh, tortillas. You remember that? Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Came yeah. Out, it was the guy taking pictures of the food. Yeah, that was <laughs> a freaky movie. But um. So that was cool. They had that. And then they had like one level where it was just like really old advertisements throughout the years and statues that they had done. And it was just, it was a pretty cool experience. And you could go up to the sky bar on top, which was this 360 bar, beautiful view of the Ooh. whole of everything. everything. Yeah, and it was packed, of course, but it was cool. We definitely, I drank a lot of pints of Guinness during that time. I mean, cause you can't like, you could take your pints wherever, but it's like, if you want the fixture and you want to pour a pint, those are two separate pints you're getting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck it. So yeah. And actually when you, I think it was actually when you got back from Ireland, I was in Baltimore doing an exam at the Guinness open gate brewery there. Cool. And that the same thing, like the, I mean, the brewery is so old that there's yeah. just so much history. And they're one of those breweries who have done a fantastic job from the beginning of like archiving all of their stuff. So yes. just the, like the wallpaper was Guinness yeah. and like everything was just, here's the old statues and here's old equipment and stuff. And it's just, yeah. it's super cool. I can't imagine how much cooler the one in Dublin is. Yeah. So you got a mini version probably. 
Right. It was like, I can imagine because I, they do a good job. The Guinness experience is worth it. Um, it's a great time. It's a great time, but the two part poor. So I'm professionally trained at Guinness. So you can take my word to heart on how to do this. Um, that's, I just, that's all I want to say. So I <laughs> do notice that the two part poor, you can imagine, I know everyone's seen this at a bar. I like Americans do have most people I see in America pouring this are doing it wrong. They're putting the glass down and starting with a straight pour, just letting the glass sit on the what drip tray and pouring it straight down, which is not correct. You should be starting at a 45 degree angle. So um, you should have the perfect Guinness glass pint to do this, but it's okay if you don't. So you'll take your pint um, and they hold. So picture your faucet with the spout, it's a straight up and down faucet. And you have that long black spout, which has the flow straightener and the restrictor plate in it. And you're going to hold your glass at a 45 degree angle. They like probably for the point of teaching people, they like touch the spout with the edge of the glass, which I don't like. And I don't think you have to do that, but get it in there, hold it at a 45 degree angle. You pour, um, Someone told me the other day this really great little metaphor for pouring a beer. Um, you pour the tap, pull the tap handle like a light switch. It's not a dimmer. It goes up and down. And I just love that. Isn't that so great? It's, it's on so and off. Cute. It's an on off switch. It's not a dimmer switch. That's a rule for every single draft system tap handle. Well, not true, but ones that you mostly know of in America is standard one. You pull that thing. I see a lot of people when they're learning, like going slowly and just creates a lot of foam. Anyway, so you pull it down, you fill it up. Uh, the pint at a 45 degree angle to slowly turning it once it gets to the bottom of the harp important for a Guinness glass but about 80 percent you start to turn it the glass straight up continue to while it's pouring to about 85 percent and then you turn the tap handle off like a light switch push it right back up um, and then you let the beer sit there and settle for 119.5 seconds all right two, two minutes to make it easier but if you're really good you're going to have timer. You're going to have a Guinness timer by your Guinness tap. It's going to be set for 119.5 <laughs> seconds. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. But so another way is if you're really busy and you can't just keep track of time while you're pouring every single drink, because who would do that? You, uh, this is the time of that the beer is settling, that the cascading effect is happening, that it is um, slowly cascading up. And once the beer turns black, you can begin the second pour. And I, when I say black, I mean the cascading effect is done. The head has been settled. You now see black beer. And that is the time that you can start your second si your second part pour. And the second part is different from the first part for very specific reasons. It does matter. The second part, you are going to almost use like a dimmer. You're going to push back the tap instead of pulling it forward. You're going to push it back just a little bit. That is what you use. That is the method you do to create the little bit of head, the rest of the head. You're actually not creating any more head. What you're doing is adding a little bit of pure beer to not mess up the head that you have created. And you do this by pushing them back. So when you push the tap back, you should hear a hissing sound because by pushing the tap back away from you, you're restricting the gas flow and just allowing the stout itself to flow into the beer. Um, and this means that the size of the head of the pint will be maintained and won't increase in size due to the nitrogen being added to the glass. 
Um, so once the beer is completely settled, the head should be about three fourths to an inch thick. And um, the faucet should never be immersed in the beer or touching um, the glassware, even though they kind of taught us to do that. Don't do that. Um, when I was making these notes, I thought about that and I thought, one, it's really important to, to start putting these things out because there's a couple styles where the faucet is submerged in your glass. And I thought that might be a cool episode if we have enough content for it. I think we would because you have cast beer, you have the side pour, all these different spouts that are some, some are meant to be soaked in the glass while you're pouring the beer. So if you do see that, don't necessarily think someone's doing something wrong unless it's a standard faucet. Right. They definitely, they are definitely doing something wrong, which you probably do see a lot. <laughs> but yes. um, so yeah, so that is the creation of the second part pour. Um, and according to some people, it's just a marketing ploy. According to Guinness, they view it as a way to maximize your enjoyment of the beer. It's funny because something I I read was like, in order to ma- enjoy the maximize or have the maximize enjoyment of the beer, you must first sip the beer horizontally. And I was like, no fuck, yeah. What the fuck else am I gonna do? <laughs> Sip it through a straw, right? Go stand on, stand sideways, go vertically, like <laughs> right. So yeah, hold your glass like a normal person, but right. <laughs> <laughs> but they say the first sip must be taken in a way. I changed that word. I said taken in a way to or in order to consume the lighter head and the flavor compounds evaporating off of it next to a gulp of the bittersweet multi beer. And these two together create the perfect balance of flavors, which Guinness says is not possible without the two-part pour. I see. So All there right. you have it. Thank um, you. I, I, like, I choose to believe Guinness. <laughs> they probably know a thing or two about it. Probably. This other guy was like some, I read, I found some article from the 2008 Life and Style article in the Irish Times that said, Guinness, two-part pours, just a marketing ploy. <laughs> and because of modern technology, not needed. I don't know. All right. Well, I choose to believe Guinness. Yeah. Modern 2008 technology is probably not so yeah. modern anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just end real quick on how to nitronize a beer because it's important if you want to do that. My favorite method, there's two things you can do. You can do a high pressure injection. Just take a Sankey, a American Sankey, hook it up to a gas line to your nitrogen tank. Sankey um, keg. Right. Sinky keg. Sinky yeah. is a kind of keg. Hook that up to your gas line, to a gas tank, to a regular, to a gas tank, a regular, a regulator. <laughs> That's what I said. And then you need to start with a little bit of a blend. When I say blend, I mean like a, you can start with a blend or a high, hundred percent CO2, but basically the beer needs a little bit of CO2. So it needs a few minutes of getting CO2 into it, either a high pressure injection or quick carb, which is my favorite way to do. Quick carb is a piece of equipment. You can hook into your keg. It pulls beer out of the keg into a pump, back into the keg while simultaneously carbonating it or adding nitrogen. That's the best way to do. Um, that will take a shorter time. The easier, less equipment way to do is the high pressure injection, um, which will take a lot more time. And you can risk over nitronizing it or over carbonating it. Well, you can do both those things, but on the quick carb as well, but it's less risk. So um, basically, it needs a little bit of CO2. So let's imagine we're using this quick carb. We set it all up. We start recycling the beer. This is crash beer right out of the tank. This is not already carbonated beer. This is 
crash beer um, ready to have gas. Um, we add about 10 to 15 minutes because we're doing like a keg's worth. Just keep that in mind. Um, we're not doing this on the big scale, which are definitely you can do that. They require big nitronizing pieces of equipment that we had at left hand. For example, we could send it from fermenter to bright tank and have it fully nitronized. But when it got there, that's all on a whole different scale. We're talking about a home brew size. And um, so we're going to add that little bit of CO2 for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then we're going to switch the gas to 100% nitrogen. And it's going to go for about three hours. It takes a long time. If you were just to carbonate your beer with this quick carb method, it would take about an hour. Um, so three hours at very high pressure, about 30 to 40 PSI. And then you're good. You take it off, you hook it up to your nitrogen draft line with your faucet, your appropriate faucet and your appropriate gas, which would be 100% nitrogen. I'm sorry, not 100% nitrogen. It's going to be a gas blend of about 25, 75. And because you need that little bit of CO2 when you're serving this beer, because it, otherwise it will go flat and it tastes that way. So in a quick summary, that's how you nitrogenize the beer. You add a fuck ton of nitrogen. Soccer. Hey, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode on nitrogen and nitrogenated beer. You can find us on social media at False Bottom Girls on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, falsebottomgirls.com. Rachel, thank you for your time and sharing your knowledge with us. I had a today. lovely time. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.